for listening to the Coal Mind Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas, and it's January 3rd, 2021. Sixth Street in Austin, Texas, filled with bars and live music, is one of the most famous party streets in America. But the COVID-19 pandemic has not been kind to Sixth Street, and neither has Texas politics. Three different levels of Texas government are now claiming the right to regulate the businesses on 6th Street in response to the risks of the COVID pandemic. This power struggle led to the case of N. Ray State of Texas, the first case filed in the Texas Supreme Court on January 1, 2021, which promptly became the first case resolved by that court on January 2, 2021. The court stayed a local regulation of 6th Street's businesses in favor of a more permissive order that the governor had signed some time ago. Today I examine two of the arguments made in that case, and by doing so, I suggest that this seemingly straightforward dispute about a street can give us important insights into the complex structure of our multi-tiered state and local governments. Austin is a legendary college town, and 6th Street is its legendary party central. Block after block of bars, live music, and people celebrating life and having a good time at least until the COVID-19 pandemic, when social distancing requirements crashed headlong into 6th Street nightlife. Over the past several months, times have been hard for the many businesses on the street and for the people who want to go there to have fun and escape the demands of their jobs or their classwork at the university. This background sets up what I'll call the showdown on 6th Street. In the event of a disaster declaration, the Texas government code gives special emergency powers to mayors, county judges, and the governor. This part of the code was written with the broad geographic sweep of Texas in mind. For example, it allows a county judge on the Gulf Coast to declare a disaster after hurricane strikes and then take emergency steps to regulate business, traffic, and so on, while other inland counties are not affected or perhaps are dealing with their own issues that are no concern of the Gulf Coast. But the COVID-19 pandemic is unique. It's unique both in its duration, now approaching almost a year of continuous disaster declarations, and it's unique in its scope because it affects both localities and the state as a whole. And that's where the trouble began on 6th Street. One of the governor's many emergency orders during the course of the pandemic in 2020 set the conditions on when and how restaurants and bars may open, hours of business, numbers of patrons they can have on site, and so forth. The order said expressly that it preempted any ordinance by a city or county that was more restrictive than what their governor laid out in his order. Now, an executive order doesn't have to do that. It can be written to just set a floor or allow local county governments to go further. But here, the governor chose to have one uniform statewide standard and expressly said that local governments, county governments, were not at liberty to do something more restrictive. The leadership of Travis County and the city of Austin disagreed, however. With New Year's Eve approaching, they were concerned about crowds forming on 6th Street and potentially creating mega-spreader events with severe consequences for public health in the start of 2021, so they sought to enact more restrictive measures than what the governor had put in place in his order. This led to a court challenge by the governor, which quickly shot up to the Texas Supreme Court on the question of an interim stay. What would the law be for the time being, while the full review of the parents wound its way through the court system over the next several weeks, perhaps months? Texas Supreme Court received the governor's papers on January 1st and granted a stay on January 2nd without even asking for a response from the county and the city. So for now, 6th Street continues on under the governor's more permissive standards. But the legal battle continues and its structure has lessons for us about the structure of our government. The parties have made several arguments based on the government code and other features of Texas law. I'll only focus on two today to allow full exploration of them as well as the contrast between them. 
And I'll also assume that the laws are in fact in conflict. It is a matter in dispute in the case, and it's one of the arguments made by the city and the county that their order doesn't really conflict with the governor's, but is in fact a supplement to it in areas it does not address. First, I start with the governor's most general point in his court papers. That section 418.012 of the code says that the governor may issue orders that have, and I quote, the force and effect of law, language in the statute. Fair enough. The governor's petition to the Texas Supreme Court then took that point, the language of that statute, a step further and added this citation to a Texas Supreme Court case. A local ordinance which conflicts or is inconsistent with state legislation is impermissible. Well, let's hold on for a second. Force and effect of law, the language of the statute, certainly sounds good, but it begs the question. The local ordinances also have the force and effect of law. The question in front of the courts is which of the two valid laws controls. So that starts out the game, but it doesn't answer the game. And the cited case in the Supreme Court is talking about inconsistency between a local ordinance and state legislation. Two points deserve a little attention here. Legislation, a law enacted by the legislature and then signed by the governor, is of course not an emergency order. It is the final product of an entirely different branch of government working through its task assigned by the Constitution. And adding to the difference, the county's rule is not necessarily the same as the city's rule in looking at how this principle works. The county is a part of state government, so that's a logical argument that the bottom part of the state organization can't act differently than the top part. But a city? A home rule city under Texas law is a sovereign in its own right, albeit a very limited one. That's a general principle, doesn't answer the question either, but it does show that the authority cited by the governor is a couple of steps away from the actual language of that case and principle it invokes. The governor's order has the force of law, to be sure, whatever that may be. But does that force make it the equivalent of an act of the legislature? And if it does, is the force of that act the same as applied to a city or a county, itself a unit of state government? This is not an idle philosophical question. Much of the litigation to date in Georgia and Pennsylvania about their election processes has dealt with the authority of the courts and the executive in an area where those legislatures has acted, the laws that govern the framework for their elections. And even here in Texas in late 2020, members of the Republican Party sued the governor, who of course is also a Republican, on the basis that some of his emergency orders about the election impermissibly entered areas that Texas state law reserves for the legislature. The general principle that the governor cites that the higher parts of government control over lower, more localized parts is certainly a strong one. But what part of the higher government relates to what part of the lower, more localized aspects of government is also an important part of the question. And that excerpt from the cited papers suggests that's an important issue that remains to be discussed further in that case. That was probably the most general point discussed in the governor's papers. From there, I turn next and second to the most specific. The governor argues in his papers that he, quote, validly suspended the powers on which Mayor Adler and George Brown relied in issuing their orders. And he cites a provision of the government code, sensible enough. It certainly makes sense that during a disaster that the governor needs flexibility of a quick response and to save whatever area is at issue from the effects of that disaster, the order should prevail over an earlier law that gets in the way that was not enacted with that situation in mind. But not so fast, say the local governments, and they quote the specific terms of that statute, section 418.016 of the government code, entitled Suspension of Certain Laws and Rules. The statute says, the governor may suspend the provisions of any regulatory statute 
prescribing the procedures for conduct of state business or the orders or rules of a state agency if strict compliance with the provisions, order, or rules would in any way prevent, hinder, or delay necessary action in coping with a disaster. Now, wait a minute, say the county judge and the mayor of Austin, what, quote, regulatory statute and what conduct of state business or rules of a state agency are we talking about? What we're talking about here, they say, is another part of the same section of the government code about who does what in an emergency. We're not talking about a regulatory statute about how some state agency or some other part of state government conducts its business or procedure. It's true that the government code gives you, Governor, the right to suspend certain rules and statutes, but it doesn't give you carte blanche to suspend anything. Now, you can go back and forth on that. There's a great deal of argument in the papers about that. But the general point is certainly well taken by the local governments that the actual details of the grant of power to the governor are not quite as broad as some of his arguments may suggest. And behind that, there is a powerful policy argument that whatever the merits of that idea of being able to suspend laws, whatever the merits of that may be for some particular order and restriction, it does seem odd, it is troubling at a high level to give an executive the power to suspend the laws that are designed to contain the power of who? That same executive. At some point, that principle simply goes too far, and we have to be mindful of when it comes to an end point. It's obvious, of course, that from looking at these two issues, this is not simply a philosophical discussion. It's intensely political. Travis County and Austin are often called the People's Republic of Austin, the lone democratic outposts in a great sea of red in the middle of Texas. Perhaps that label has less force these days with other large cities becoming more democratic. But nevertheless, they have a reputation as probably the most leftward located part of Texas on the political spectrum. There's no question they're to the left of Governor Greg Abbott, a conservative Republican. But as we've seen in some earlier disputes about emergency measures, there is also a political debate within the camp that gathers under the label conservative. Does conservative mean a strong executive? Does it mean decentralization from federal to state and from state to local? Or does decentralization simply mean that you have strong states, a weaker federal government, and then it stops at the governor's mansion, and the governor then has that authority, and it's really not something to go on to the local level? Those are important questions. And on a day-to-day level, because we live in local governments and interact with those around us, they may well matter more as a practical matter than the more lofty ones that tend to occupy the national discussion. The issues that are being debated in this case and that courts will need to decide if the litigation proceeds go to the very structure of how we put together the parts of our state from the local level and build them up in the blocks to form the entire state. Today we travel to 6th Street in Austin, Texas, which is still a colorful, noisy, and fun place, but a shadow of what it was before the COVID-19 pandemic. The governor of Texas, the county judge of Travis County, and the mayor of Austin all claim the authority to regulate the businesses on 6th Street during the COVID-19 pandemic. The process of finding the answer to who has that power casts light on some very basic aspects of how we govern ourselves and structure ourselves as a state and a complex modern society. Coming up, the new year hopefully brings an end to issues about presidential succession and at least begins to end the COVID-19 pandemic, which allows Coalmine to explore a wide range of legal topics about economic regulation, other constitutional ideas that have been crowded out some in the recent months. 
You are welcome to follow this podcast on any of the main directories now available on iHeartRadio and Pandora if you like to get your information from those sources, as well as Amazon. If you enjoyed listening to the podcast, I encourage you to please leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon. Thank you.